0: Situation already. Millions of people buy lottery tickets around the world every week, hoping to win the jackpot, yet, not many are ever successful. For most of them, it's a bit of a lost hope. So the question that I want us to think about tonight is, where does our hope lie? Here in the Bible passage that we've just heard, in verse 3, we see the phrase, living hope. That's different from the, the kinds of hope that I've just mentioned, that I've just talked about. Is that the sort of hope that we really have? And do we, do we understand what it means? Before we go into that, let's just take a moment to look at the people that this letter was addressed to. In the first two verses of the chapter, which we we didn't hear tonight because we started at verse 3, the people that receive this letter are described as foreigners or exiles, depending on which translation you're reading. They're the exiles of the dispersion which were the churches of what is now modern-day Turkey. In Acts chapter 8, there was a great persecution that took place in Jerusalem against Christians, and most of them at that point had to flee for their lives. Eventually, these largely Jewish churches that sprang up in this part of the world became known as the dispersion. And as we read through this this letter, this first letter of Paul, we realised that these these churches were about to experience another outbreak of persecution, both from the government and from their neighbours. So they were in a very real danger of losing hope, of wondering whether it was worth carrying on with their faith, whether the suffering that they were about to experience was really worth it. So Peter writes this letter to encourage them and to to reassure them. And he begins by reminding them of who they are. In verse 2, Peter says, They've been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. And here's the first encouragement for us to persevere with our faith, to remember that God has chosen us. We're not just a random accident of the universe, far less a random mistake as some people think of themselves. No, God has chosen us, set us apart for himself. That's what it means to be, to be sanctified. He's given us his Holy Spirit to make that real and to make us work towards being a part of his glorious kingdom. So how does this happen? Well, in verse 3, we hear how God has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's a new aspect to our lives that can only really be described as new birth. The old has gone. We can have a whole New existence, a remade life, born again in the image of God as we were always meant to be. And this new birth means that we have a new future. Instead of being doomed to die and that's the end as so many people in this world now believe, now we have, if we accept it, a living hope that comes about through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Christ has passed through death to life so that we know that we too will rise again one day. If that's the case, if we're now able through the Holy Spirit to to rise to new life, then we have something great to look forward to. Verse 4, what Peter describes... As an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You often hear of people who who have died and left their children a great fortune. And and most people look at the children and think how fortunate they are. But here, we read of something that's far, far greater than than any earthly inheritance. Inheritance. Now, the Trumps of the world may one day inherit obscene amounts of money, but in the end, they too will die. Even if they manage to keep on growing the wealth that Donald Trump has amassed, in the end, they'll all die as poor as the day that they came into the world as newborn children. Because once you're dead, you don't own anything. As John Ortberg says, it all goes back In the box. But for us, as followers of Jesus, our inheritance will never wear out, will never fade away, will never end, because it's kept in heaven for us. That's why Peter calls it a living hope. This is a hope that will never die, will never fade away, that will never let us down. So our future is secure, but... What about here and now? How is this a living hope if we still live in a world where people can still hurt us, can still attack us, can still do us harm? Do you sometimes feel like you don't have enough faith to persevere in your Christian life, to remain faithful when things just seem too much? There's these early Christians were probably feeling that same way. But here, God assures us that his power will keep our faith strong until that last day when our salvation is revealed and Jesus returns. One of the things anyone learns when they first start doing exercise or come back to exercise, as I have done recently, you can't tell yet, but keep watching, (laughs) is that... If you want to get stronger, you have to push yourself to gradually lift heavier and heavier weights or do more and more repetitions or bigger exercises. If you play a sport and you find someone who's better than you, then there's a need to improve. It's a bit obvious, really. But it's when we struggle against forces that appear stronger than ourselves that we Ourselves get stronger. Some of the strongest people that I've met through my years is people who've struggled against real adversity in their lives. And it's so sort of our struggles in this world that help us to strengthen our faith with God's help and with the people around us, the help of them as well, of course. The result of that is that When we feel our faith being strengthened, it might be after an event, when we take time to reflect and look back. That's when we realise that we're persevering. That's what Peter means by proving the genuineness of our faith in verse 9. Then our hearts are led to praise God. Our perseverance in the end will lead us to sharing Christ's glory In the Father's presence. That's all well and good. But how are we going to persevere in the face of suffering. If that's where we find ourselves. I guess you might have heard the expression. When the going gets tough. The tough get going. Is that how we'll persevere? By gritting our teeth and trying harder. By having that good old English stiff upper lip don't know if you have anything like that in Africa, but here, you yeah, know, stiff up a lip. That's how some people try to do it. They're just trying, well, everything's all right. I'm not going to be worried like this at all. But I'm sorry, that just won't work. Eventually, you'll come to the point where it will just get too hard. When you start to question whether you really cut out for this sort of Christian life or whether God is still relevant in the 21st century, that's when we need to try And remember that Christ has died for us. He's died for me. He's died for each one of you sat here. He's already made us new if we've let him. God has already given us new life in Christ. He's promised us eternal life in heaven. It's not always easy, of course, but that's where living as a community and supporting each other comes in. We need to think as well about the relationship that we have with Jesus. Peter says in verse 8, You love Christ even though you haven't seen him. It's true, isn't it? None of us here, as far as I'm aware, have seen Jesus. And yet we find that we love him and we want him to be a part of our lives. That's the work of his Holy Spirit within us. And that love we have for Christ means that we will want to try to persevere rather than letting him down. If that's not enough, then look at the next thing Peter says. You're receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is happening already. Hopefully we already perceive this within ourselves. We we realize the changes that are being brought about by God's Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And yet we still, each of us, have a long way to go. We're all at different points on our journeys of faith. But all of us who have accepted Jesus into our hearts are being changed. Our attitudes will be consistently shifting. Our desire to obey God is hopefully increasing. Our commitment to God's work, I pray, is growing. And that's something To rejoice over, to encourage us, to give us confidence that God is keeping his promise to save us in the end. So just to conclude. What is it that drives you? What is it that motivates you to keep going as a Christian? Is it a fear of failure, of being found out? Because unfortunately that is what motivates some Christians. They try so hard to live up to God's standards because they think if they fail, they might miss out. But that's not what we've read here tonight, is it? We've been chosen by God to be followers of Christ. We run a race, but it's not a race where there's only one winner. This isn't a lottery draw that we're talking about where there's just one or two lucky few. This is a race where everyone who finishes gets the prize. And it's a race where the judge isn't sat behind a desk saying, I'm choosing you, but not you. It's where the judge is on the sidelines urging all of us on to keep on going and giving us the strength to get to that finishing line. Perhaps you're motivated by the thought of rejoining a loved one. That's an admirable aim, but it's not nearly as great an aim as wanting to be united with Christ. See that thing about loving Christ even though we've never seen him has a reverse side to it doesn't it? Part of the reason for persevering is so that we will see him one day face to face. As Christians we can, we can lay claim to the one hope that will never let us down. It's a living Hope, made certain by our risen Lord Jesus. His resurrection is the sign that we too will be raised to new life. That's the hope that we've been given. That's the hope that we need to hold on to. So I pray that as you go into this week, that your hearts and minds will be strengthened to persevere, to remain strong in your faith in Jesus Christ, and to be confident of the great inheritance, that fantastic hope that's waiting for us all, one day, in heaven. Amen. Thank you, Phil.